Thank you for joining us. For your encouragement, we bring to you this biblical sermon from Dr. Charlie Dates, preached at the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago. We hope that it leaves you refreshed and inspired. If you're ever in Chicago on a Sunday, we'd love to have you in worship with us. Join now. This message already in progress. Would you open the Word of God with me to Psalm 46? Psalm 46 is certainly one of the high water marks of the soldier. Martin Luther, the reformer, wrote his great battle hymn of the Reformation, rephrasing this song. Let me read it into your hearing. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, Though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God's in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still. And know that I'm God. I'm exalted among the nations. I'm exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Eternal God, we wait before you this morning. In adoration and worship and praise. Now we pray that you would visit the words of this writer so long ago and caused them to leap from this page so that we too may know you as refuge and in resource. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's be seated. How not to get shook up when everything shakes down. In 1982, the Ocean Exploration and Drilling Company had built an offshore platform in the Atlantic off of Canada, Nova Scotia. 87 souls on it, it had a floating oil derrick that was 300 feet up in the air. It had been built to withstand a 100-foot-tall maverick wave or a 100-mile-an-hour wind. But at 3 a.m. one morning, after a distress signal, it disappeared to the bottom of the Atlantic with 87 souls. It's never been explained other than something was thrown at it that shook it down. 100 years ago, 1923, a famed person of this city, Frank Lloyd Wright, built the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo, a seismic city, earthquake prone. But he built it with a revolutionary engineering that made it rattle but not shake down in an earthquake. Sure enough, you can Google it, not right now, and you can see a picture of everything flat around it, but it stood because it didn't shake up when everything shook down. Now, I didn't come by this morning to talk to you about architecture and engineering, but we ought to know from the end of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus used buildings as a poetic reference to things that can and cannot shake down about two houses one built on rock that wouldn't shake and sand that would. Most of these psalms have a background. background of this psalm may have been an international threat. Maybe that time when Sennacherib, the bloodthirsty, rapacious emperor of the Assyrians, what is today in the area of Iran and Iraq, was at the walls, tissue thin of Jerusalem, 180,000 in his army at the fourth watch of the night. Just before the peep of dawn, <laughs> the angel of death flew over and his army 
was DOA. <laughs> that on the right, maybe that. Or it may have been something personal in the life of the psalmist, something with which you can identify. Mental confusion, psychological disruption, physical illness, and God delivered him. One way or the other, the psalmist said, God is our refuge. And when everything shakes down, you don't have to get shook up. Let me just take this two or three steps, and, and I'll take my seat. You see, God gives you refuge when everything is shaking down. This psalm presents in poetic language how the psalmist felt. It's as if he were standing on solid ground, and suddenly, right beneath his feet, the earth cracked open. An earthquake, and he's standing on top of it. Well, if you're in the Holy Land, about the size of, of the state of New Jersey, there's mountains, so he headed to the hills. But it said the hills were toppling over like drunk men staggering out of a bar at 2 in the morning. <laughs> no refuge in the hills. The only the place you could go was the Mediterranean Ocean. Earth quaking, hills tottering. He tries to get in the ocean, but pieces of mountain are floating by like styrofoam beach toys. There's nowhere to stand. Now once again, he's using figurative language, poetic imagery to talk about how he was feeling. Is there one somebody here this July morning or beyond here? <laughs> you say, that's how I feel. It seems like the earth is shaking under my feet and I really don't have anywhere to run to. Everything is all shook up. The pastor has already alluded to, and I endorse, nation and city, atrocity and inequity in our times. People all over this country woke up today, and that, 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 that's just outside their own personal lives. What about things inside that we might not even be, we wouldn't tell our psychiatrists? <laughs> Shook up. Well, I wanted to come by with good news because the first word in this psalm is not shaking earth and tumbling mountains. The first word is God is our refuge. God is refuge. <laughs> you know, this is in the Hebrew language, and this was written in the Hebrew language. The first word in this psalm is really the oldest name for God. That is, if you could trace him back all the way to the gates of the Garden of Eden where our first ancestors were, as long as he's been God, he's the kind of God who gives you refuge. He's a rock. He's a hiding place. And you say, well, Joel, I, uh, he may be a rock and a hiding place, but I need to get to him. Well, thank you for asking. The very next line says, literally, he lets himself be found when life is in the straits. Let me give you a little geography lesson. A strait is a narrow neck of water between two big pieces of land. When you feel like life is caught in the straits, ancient literature off the boot of Italy, there was a scylla in the Charybdis. It was a rock and a whirlpool. If you went too far to port on your ship, it would smash the rock. If you went too far to starboard, it would sink in the whirlpool. We say today when life is between a rock and a hard place. There's one somebody listening to me, and you say, well, Joel, my address this morning is Rock Avenue and Hard Place Boulevard. Come close to me. I want you to hear this because it took me as a testimony a long time to understand this. God lets himself be found. He prefers to be found when your life is between a rock and a hard place. That's where he hears you. Somebody listening to me this morning, this has your thumbprint on it. You woke up this morning between the streets. Now, here's the good news. When you're there, what does the psalm say? Therefore, we will not fear. 
We live in a terrified age, internationally, nationally, domestically, politically, in cities across our country, terror, anxiety. But what does the psalmist say? When God is your refuge, we will not fear. Do you know that there's 800 plus named fears? I mean fears that have a name. All of them end with the word phobia. Like there's agoraphobia. That's fear of being exposed outside in an open place. Now get this, they're contradictory fears. There's claustrophobia. That's fear of being confined in a place. Those are contradictory fears, aren't they? You can go A to Z. You know, anacrophobia, that's fear of spiders. Herpetophobia, that's fear of snakes. I got that one. Do you know there's even a named fear, homilophobia, that's fear of sermons? <laughs> that you're going to be stuck here. 800 named fears. Listen, our gospel, the advent of the Son of God, it occurred when a choir of angels sang to fear not. When Gabriel brought the news to that teenage Jewish maiden Mary, you're going to be with child of the Holy Spirit. What did he say? Fear not. When Jesus risen from the dead, appeared as the risen Lord in Jerusalem. What was the first word out of his mouth? Fear not. And when John was 100 years old, writing the book of Revelation, prisoner in a cave on the island of Patmos, what did the risen cosmic Christ say? It was the same old Jesus. Fear not. Do you ever tell God back his own word? It's good for you. When Paul wrote Timothy, who seemed to be young and somewhat timid and a little sick, he said, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I can't tell you how many times, awake at night with anxiety about one thing or the other, I've quoted back God's own word to him and to me. See, all of us talk to ourselves all the time. We've got this tape going in our head. That's why the psalmist said in 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's talking to himself in the presence of God. When it's 3 a.m. in the morning, and maybe you're by yourself or by yourself for the first time, and you hear something outside. Is it the wind? Is it a tree brushing against the roof? Is it somebody? You know, the first thing you need to do before you choke with fear is talk to yourself and God and say, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Yeah. And rebuke the devil. He can't stand it. <laughs> God is your refuge. But wait a minute. That's not all this says. Between verse 3 and 4, the scene changes. When your world is shaking down, God provides for you a resource. If you read this psalm carefully, there's quaking earth, shaking mountains, roaring sea, but then there's a pause. And the psalmist says, a river. There's really not even a verb, there's just an exclamation. A river the streams of which make glad the city of God. Church, that's a way of talking about a resource. Now remember, in the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. But in the New Testament, he has a people for his temple. So these promises about Jerusalem and the temple for us, that's us, is the temple of God, a river. The streams of which make glad the city of God. And here's a mod. Jerusalem wasn't on a river. No river there. In fact, it's distinctive for a capital. Even then, you had uh, Egypt on the Nile. You had Ur, Babylon, the Euphrates today. Here, the Chicago River, Hudson in New York, Thames in London, Seine in Paris, Danube in Vienna, going and on. Jerusalem didn't have a river. Because here it stands for something. This river 
stands for the quiet power of God as a resource for his people. It's a beautiful image. The further it flows, the wider it grows, the deeper it goes. In old Ezekiel, when they sure did need some encouragement, said he saw flowing out of the temple in Jerusalem a river where there wasn't any river. Do you know what that's pointing toward? A day when our Lord Jesus Christ stood in that same temple area and speaking to every believer, said out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. He said that's the spirit that's to come. I just wanted to come by to tell you that whenever things shakes down, you have a resource. This psalmist begins Psalm 1 with a river. If you're a person of faith, you're like a tree planted by the what? Rivers of water. In that arid land, the only place you saw trees was down by the Jordan because their roots could go down into hidden resources. You know the tree on this planet that has the deepest roots. How deep do you think roots could get? Uh, 100 feet, 200 feet? You know where the tree is with the deepest roots. Of all places, it's in South Africa in an arid area with roots that are 400 feet deep. It's a shrubby little tree, but it, it, it senses 400 feet down that there are subterranean pools of water, and there are. And those roots go down, down, till they get to those hidden resources. What an image right here. God, for you, a person of faith, Regardless of what's happening on the surface, you've got roots that go down to hidden resources. That's why as a believer, you will always be a mystery to people who are not people of faith. <laughs> you know. But you know something else about a river? Most rivers are quiet power. The Colorado there at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, over thousands of years, made you quietly, quietly carving that canyon one grain of sand at a time, quietly. Have you ever noticed human power is loud power? They fire a rocket. Fire a gun. Human power is noisy power. God's power it's quiet power. When this rain lifts today, the sun will come through the shears into some baby's nursery and won't even wake up the baby. Yet at the same time, that sunlight is lifting water from the Great Lakes, tons of it, creating the winds that blow it over the land this morning and emptying it. That's power. But it didn't even wake up the baby. You don't, you don't like evaporation. Well, think about everything green. Do you know the only reason we're breathing today is because of everything green around here? The sun hits the chlorophyll in those leaves, and it creates an atmosphere that protects us. I bet nobody here got up at breakfast this morning over coffee and said, Son, baby, the sun's hitting the chlorophyll. <laughs> no. Quiet power. Do you understand this? The power of God. The power of God is that quiet power that shows up just on time. And that's the other thing here because somebody's saying, well, Brother Joel, if that's true, I wish he'd show up. When does he do it? Well, right here. It's in Holy Scripture. It says, now some translations will say at the last watch of the night. The New Revised Standard said just before morning dawn, the ancient people divided the night into four times. They didn't have clocks, but approximately sundown till nine, nine to midnight, midnight to three, but the fourth watch was three until dawn. That was the hardest one. If you've ever been to the group staying up with somebody at the hospital, I used to do that in little Texas churches. We'd go down and wait up with somebody in bad shape. Most people could stay the first watch. Second watch, we put on some coffee. Third watch, most of them would say, you know, I think everything's in hand. <laughs> but the fourth watch, 
from three till dawn, human metabolism is its slowest. Try to keep your eyes open, muscles sagging. The fourth watch is the watch beyond human health. Now, see this. You're asking, when will God be a refuge and a resource? I'll tell you one of his preferable times is in the fourth watch of the night. You know why? Because if he showed up for most of us in the first watch, we'd hug ourselves. That's a bad way to go, self-huggulation. Look what I did. If he showed up in the second watch, we'd say, you know, I've got a network. You ought to see everybody I see on Facebook. They came to help me. But if it's the fourth watch of the night, the angels in heaven, the unbelievers around you, and the devils in hell have got to say, that had to be God. And that is when he likes to show up. Some of us have read that self-taught indigenous Chinese Christian watchman knee. Other watchman taught himself. He told one day about swimming at a swimming hole with some Chinese brothers. One of them was a great swimmer. One of them couldn't swim at all. And the rest of them weren't very good at it. <laughs> and the brother who couldn't swim began to drown. Went down once, twice, three times, hand out of the water. Everybody was saying to the good swimmer, perch up here, help, help. He just sat there. Watchman said, I started to hate him in my heart. The last possible moment, he leaped in and with a few sure swift swimmer strokes saved the drowning brother. Watchman said, when we got around him, we said, why, why did you wait? And he said, if I jumped in to begin with, he was so rigid, he would have drowned both of them. Sometimes because God wants to show he's God. It'll be when you've gone down for what you think is the last time and he shows up. I've been there, done that. Well, I'm going to sit down. If he's a refuge and a resource, you can relax. Be still and know that I'm God. You know, the Hebrew language is a vivid language. It, it literally suggests let your hands hang down. Don't we talk a lot about our hands? We say things are so bad, man. Look at the courts, look at the city, look at the trial. Well, I'm just going to th throw my hands up. Or we say this situation has just gotten out of hand. You say, man, would you lend me a or we can play like old Pontius Pilate. I'm just going to wash my hands of the whole. We use our hands. This old Hebrew poet said, because God's refuge and resource, I can let my hands hang down. It doesn't mean I give up. He means I can relax. Now come close to me. What kind of testimony is it for a Christian to have at office or school or work or play or neighborhood, if we're in just as big a state of anxiety as everybody else. When everyone else in a secular society is throwing their hands up, oh, this is out of hand. We need to be different. We need to be people who reveal that when life is between rock and hard place, we have hidden resources we just let our hands hang down and breathe. When did you ever see Jesus get in a hurry? Read the Gospels. Huh? Huh. <sighs> Always on time. I, I, I've got to sit down and I say, Brother Joel, you left something out. And I did leave something out. Did you see there's a refrain here? This is a hymn. There's a refrain. The Lord of host is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I call this the 711 verses. It's in verse 7 and verse 11. Now, the Lord of hosts, that word in the Bible means heavenly armies. That's what it means. A host is an army. The Lord of heavenly armies. Now, I've never seen any. I've read about them. 
But I do know about the God of Jacob. You know, if I were God and I hired a PR company, I think the PR company would say, look, why don't you brand yourself God of Abraham, the father of all the faithful, or even God of Moses, the father of monotheism, or even the God of David with all his flaws, a man after God, but God of Jacob. You ever read about Jacob? The heel-snatching scam artist? Tricky Jacob? You can almost translate that, the God of the old trickster. The God and the one always one step ahead of the posse. But I'm glad he can be the God of Jacob. Because that gives me a chance he could be the God of joy. And you, and you, and you. I know somebody said, well, where's Jesus in all this? Well, thank you. The Lord of hosts is with us. You'll call his name Emmanuel. Because that means God with us. And that's why you don't have to get shook up when everything shakes down. Let's pray together a moment. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, now may your Spirit speak to that one somebody who knows this was a word for me today. And may they find refuge, resource, and God help them in grace to relax. In Jesus' name. In a moment, in a moment, the ministry will be here. And in a moment, that one somebody who knows this message was for me. You stand up. You step out. I preach all over this country, and I, I worry about people who are more worried about their dignity than their deliverance. And they say, oh, I don't want to act like I need anything. Let me let you in on this. We all needed this word today. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message by Dr. Charlie Dates, Senior Pastor of the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago. For more information about our church, visit ProgressiveChicago.org. Progress is yours through the gospel of Jesus Christ.